Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. Good morning. On the move, that massive winter storm marching across the country, packing a dangerous mix. Snow, ice, high winds from the Midwest to the Northeast, possible tornadoes in the South, while some cities brace for record high temperatures. Experts saying the system has everything but the kitchen sink. Al's got your full forecast. Build up at the border. The U.S. now saying Russia is sending more troops to the edge of Ukraine, despite Russia claiming it's pulling back. With tensions running high, Ukraine accusing Russian-backed rebels of shelling a village overnight. Richard Engel is live from the front lines. Fighting back. Fed up by the alarming and ongoing rise in unruly passengers during the pandemic. You're going to jail. Delta now calling for a no-fly list for people caught behaving badly. So would that make air travel safer? And why some Republican senators are against that idea. Growing mystery inside the new question surrounding Bob Saget's death after his family is granted a temporary order blocking the release of sensitive information. We'll have the very latest. Those stories plus Tiger Talks. Golf superstar Tiger Woods getting candid about his road to recovery one year after the crash that derailed his career. I'm getting better, yes, but as I said, not, not at the speed and rate that I would like. And yet in the age factor, too, and you, know, you just don't quite heal as fast, and which is frustrating. Just ahead, why even he's not sure when he'll play competitively again. Today, Thursday, February 17th, 2022. From NBC News, this is Today with Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb, live from Studio 1A in Rockefeller Plaza. Good morning. Welcome to today. So happy that you are starting your Thursday morning with us. Yeah, I felt a little warm out there yeah. this morning, but it is about to get real different. That powerful and potent cross-country storm is on the move, packing a lot of dangerous weather, snow, ice, rain, even tornadoes possible. Midwest is getting it right now, but it's coming east. Yeah, another concern, of course, is those strong winds. It's going to make flying tough. Look at this air traffic, uh, airline traffic model this morning. We're already seeing a number of cancellations and delays, and there are problems on the roads, too. This this is a live, live look at the falling snow in Kansas City that's making for a real messy commute. We've also seen lightning and heavy rain hitting parts of Texas and Illinois overnight. And to top it off, parts of the Northeast could see record high temps okay. today. It's got it all. Al's tracking this fast-moving and high-impact storm. Hey, Al. Hey, guys. Good morning. So we are looking at 43 million of us from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Burlington, Vermont, under winter weather alerts. Wind alerts from Amarillo on into Boston and all the way down to Lufkin, Texas for 111 million people. And because of heavy rain, melting snow, 33 million people looking at flooding from Springfield, Columbus, Ohio, Syracuse, New York, and on up into Burlington, Vermont. 
lot. And add to that the enhanced risk of severe weather. We're talking strong tornadoes, possibly from Memphis, Nashville, down to Jacksonville. Wind gusts of 60 miles per hour and isolated hail. Already we're starting to see very heavy snow starting to fall. Thunder snow in Kansas City. So that indicates snowfall rates of one to two inches per hour. What we're going to be watching is the system moving east. So today, rain, ice, and snow causing trouble for the Midwest. Severe storms down through the south. Knoxville under that heavy thunderstorms. And then for tomorrow, it pushes to the east. The rain will clear New England by 9 a.m., but strong winds in the mid-morning. We're talking wind gusts of up to 65 miles per hour. Heavy rain, one to three inches stretching from southern Missouri all the way into upstate New York and parts of New England. Icing from Tupper Lake all the way through Cleveland, Champaign, Illinois, and down to Springfield, up to a quarter of an inch of ice. And snowfall amounts, Wichita, four to eight. Kansas City, five to nine inches, one to four in Chicago. Detroit could be looking at anywhere from five to nine inches of snow. So we're going to be watching a very volatile situation over the next 24 hours, guys. All right, Al, we'll stay with you on that one. Also this morning, there are new questions surrounding the Ukraine crisis. The White House saying over the last day, Russia has actually added thousands of troops at the border while it continues to claim it's actually pulling back on its military presence there. NBC's chief foreign correspondent Richard Engel in Ukraine again for us. Richard, good morning. Good morning. The tensions here just seem to be spiking. Just a short while ago, President Biden said that there is a high risk that Russia could invade Ukraine, while the U.S. is accusing Russia of lying about pulling back its troops from Ukraine's border. As Russia claims it is pulling back troops from Ukraine's border, releasing videos of forces leaving the Crimean Peninsula on a bridge back to Russia and being loaded onto trucks, a senior Biden administration official accuses Russia of lying and of moving troops around while adding 7,000 to the some 150,000 troops already near Ukraine's borders. Ukrainian and Estonian intelligence and NATO officials have said they can't confirm any Russian pullback. We have not seen any sign of withdrawal or de-escalation. New satellite images show Russian troops remain ready for attack, as Britain's military intelligence chief, in a rare statement, said there have been sightings of additional armored vehicles, helicopters, and a field hospital moving toward Ukraine's borders. As Ukrainians took to the streets for Unity Day yesterday to show they're not afraid of a Russian invasion, there are now questions this morning about why Russia would claim to de-escalate while apparently not doing it. Propaganda? A play to create confusion? Or deliberate misdirection to hide an attack? On the front line, tensions are heating up between Ukrainian troops and Russian-backed separatists, with both sides accusing the other of mortar and artillery attacks overnight, including, Ukraine says, on a kindergarten. Russia has accused Ukraine of carrying out a genocide against the separatists, who have said they may call on President Putin to protect them. While Russia is continuing its massive troop presence on Ukraine's borders, U.S. and Ukrainian officials are now accusing Moscow of looking for a pretext to launch an invasion. And this flashpoint in the area between uh, the separatist zone and Ukraine could be where that flashpoint happens. Uh, just a short while ago, uh, Ukraine's foreign minister accused the separatists of firing tanks into Ukraine. So it is a very uh, delicate situation, and that 
uh, that separatist area could be a trigger leading to a wider conflict. Yeah, it's a, it's a tinderbox for sure, Richard. Thank you very much. Also this morning, there are encouraging signs in the pandemic. Nationwide, COVID cases down 40% since last week, reaching their lowest level since September. Hospitalizations down 28%. Deaths have fallen 9%, but still at a distressingly high average. That's more than 2,200 people a day. So the question is, is it time to take off those masks with more states letting mandates expire? The rules across the country are, to put it nicely, a confusing patchwork. And the CDC is promising revised guidance soon. Yeah, with us now to talk about all of it is Dr. Ashish Jha. He's the dean of Brown University School of Public Health. Dr. Jha, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Good to see you. Good morning. So the numbers are down. Everyone is sort of cheering, pulling out the pom-pom, saying, wow, it looks like it's time. Do you think it's time to do away with masks um, altogether? Yeah, so I do think that over the next few weeks, we're going to, I think it's going to be reasonable to lift mask mandates. Infections, as you said, are dropping precipitously. Hospital capacity has gotten better. Deaths are going to get much better in the next few weeks. So, yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable time to pull off the mask mandates. What about at schools? Because that's yeah. the one, I mean, even here in New York, they, they've yeah. lifted some of the mandates. School's still in effect. I mean, and that's for a lot of us mm -hmm. with little kids. Yeah. We're wondering when can they take them off? When is it safe? I think it's pretty reasonable for schools as well. I mean, first of all, all school-age kids can now get vaccinated. So that's good news. Um, and infections in places like New York are down, what, 90, 95 percent mm -hmm. from their peak. So pretty reasonable to do it in schools as well. Some people say that once you do away with the mask mandate, people are going to just say, well, those are gone forever. And as you report a lot, these things come and go. They go, there could be another surge coming. Do you think it would be tough to say, okay, guys, now we're going back to masks all over again? No, so I think communication here is key, Hoda. So the when we lift mask mandates now, we should make it clear that if there is another surge, if there's another variant, we're going to ask people to put their mask back on for a short period of time. I think if we telegraph that very quickly yeah. and I mean, very carefully and clearly, I think people are going to be pretty reasonable and be willing to do that again. Mm. Well, there are some places where I think I might wear a mask forever now, such as the yeah. subway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. I was on a crowded subway the other day. Yeah. I was happy to have my mask right. on. What if I'm wearing it and nobody yeah. else is? Is it still providing any protection? It is. If you're wearing a high quality mask, it actually provides a very high degree of protection, especially when you couple that with somebody who's vaccinated and boosted. Uh, you can really protect yourself, even if everybody else around you is not uh, I, I think everybody knows somebody who refuses to get vaccinated, will not get vaccinated. There are some people, there's even a guy who wouldn't get a heart transplant because he didn't want to get the vaccine. For, for that sect of the, of the country, um, if they choose not to get vaccinated, is there a way to beat this thing down the road? It's going to be very hard if you have a chunk of Americans who just do not get vaccinated. Uh, we're going to see more surges. We're going to see more hospitals filling up. So that will continue to be a problem. That's why I believe that vaccine mandates actually make a lot of sense. Uh, but also just engaging with people and over time working with them to figure out how to make them more comfortable getting vaccinated. And just real quickly, I mean, we obviously saw the Omicron variant mm -hmm. just explosively contagious, but seeming seemingly less virulent. Mm -hmm. Is that the path we can expect future variants to take or is it just a who knows? We don't know. I mean, we all want to believe that every future variant will be less and less mm -hmm. severe. Yeah. Not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see what nature, Mother Nature throws at us and we just have to get ready for it. All right, all right. Dr. Shaw, thank you. It's so Good nice to have you at our table. Thank, thank you. you. Well, now to a story making big waves in Washington. It, it's what amounts to unproven claims that Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign paid to spy on Donald Trump. Well, this morning, Clinton's responding and NBC senior Washington correspondent Hallie Jackson has the story. Hallie, good morning. Hey, Savannah, good morning to you. We're talking about a story that has ripped through conservative media, something Donald Trump calls bigger than Watergate. But what's in this actual court filing we're talking about does not back up some of the allegations being made. 
It would be explosive if it were true. The allegation a political opponent spied on a sitting president. And that's exactly what former President Donald Trump and his allies are claiming. It was worse than we thought because they were spying on the sitting president of the United States. I liken it to Watergate. But Hillary Clinton now slamming the whole thing as a fake scandal to distract from Mr. Trump's real ones. So it's a day that ends in Y, she tweeted. So what's the reality check? It all started last week when special counsel John Durham dropped a new court filing. Remember, Durham's the guy investigating the origins of the Russia investigation against Mr. Trump. The filing involves a case against a cybersecurity lawyer with ties to the Democratic Party, Michael Sussman. It says a tech executive gave Sussman data about communications between computer servers at the White House, two Trump-owned buildings in New York, and an unnamed health care provider. The filing, describing the executive as exploiting his access to White House data to search for derogatory information on Mr. Trump. Sussman, the filing says, claimed the data showed Trump associates were using Russian-made cell phones near the White House, an allegation the special counsel found no evidence of, and says Sussman turned that info over to the CIA in 2017, according to sources familiar with what happened. Some conservatives seizing on all this as proof someone spied on then-President Trump, blasting what they see as a lack of attention to it. The silence by most of the media is very revealing. But here's the thing. That computer data only showed that different servers were communicating, not what they were communicating about, according to experts. In other words, emails couldn't have been read. Text messages couldn't have been read. They couldn't have even seen the content that was on the screens. The court filing doesn't say when the data collection ended. And that's important because Sussman's attorneys say the special counsel knows it didn't happen during the Trump administration, but instead when then-President Obama was in office. Also keep in mind, the court filing does not allege a crime related to hacking. It also does not say that anybody was illegally spied on. Savannah? Just so I understand, so it actually happened during the Obama administration? That's what Sussman's attorneys are saying, yeah. Okay. All right. Hallie, thank you very much. Right now, I want to turn back to Al. Big day for you. Lots to talk about. That's for sure. Let's show you what's going on. Well, at least out west, we're looking at some beautiful weather, plenty of sunshine, moderate temperatures. They could use the rain, however. Little light snow making its way through the southern Rockies, but snow and ice through the mid-plains, Midwest as well. Severe storms down through the southeast. Record highs. We're going to look at those coming up in the next half hour. And that's your latest weather, guys. All right. Al, thank you so mm-hmm. much. Still ahead, the growing mystery surrounding Bob Saget's death. The judge ruling to temporarily block the release of certain records. We're going to have details on the impact on the case moving forward. Plus, a potential solution to the alarming rise of unruly passengers during the pandemic. Why one airline, Delta, says it's time to create a no-fly list for anybody caught behaving badly and why some lawmakers are against that idea. But first, this is Today on NBC. For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries. Forested ridgelines on the horizon. Wide alpine meadows. Evergreen forests threaded with trails. Friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. And you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah the mountain kind. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match 
with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash today. Just go to Indeed.com slash today right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash today. Conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're back 7.30. Some of the sights and sounds from yesterday's big Super Bowl <laughs> victory parade and party. Celebrating the Rams championship. Yeah, party is the word. Oh, man, I wish we could have been there. Let's just say that some of the players had a very good time. It did catch the attention of Tom Brady, and you might remember what happened with Brady. Do you remember <laughs> that he enjoyed himself a lot during the Bucks parade yeah. last year? There was a Lombardi trophy that went flying. There was yeah. a lot going on. Carson's going to have more of that coming up in Pop It's going to be a good one. Yeah. Let's get to your headlines. 7.30, breaking overnight. Florida's House of Representatives has passed a bill to ban most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The bill passed mostly along party lines. One Democrat did vote yes. It's a measure several Republican-led states are pushing as the U.S. Supreme Court is weighing the legality of such limits. The measure now moves to the state Senate, where it is expected to pass. Governor Ron DeSantis has previously signaled his support for that bill. The U.S. Coast Guard is searching for a woman who went overboard yesterday off a cruise ship in the Gulf of Mexico. Officials say the Carnival Valor was about 150 miles off the coast of Louisiana when the 32-year-old woman jumped from her balcony. The ship is returning to New Orleans this morning after a five-day cruise to Mexico. Now to a frightening crash, and it was all caught on a police dash cam. You can see a driver being pulled over by a Colorado state trooper. Well, just seconds after the officer walks back from the car to his motorcycle, a van slams into the vehicle. Now, folks in both vehicles did suffer injuries, but they're non-life-threatening. The driver of the van was cited for careless driving. Okay, let's move now to new developments in the wake of Bob Saget's sudden death. Yeah, a judge has now temporarily blocked the release of certain records after Saget's family sued to keep them from being made public. NBC National Correspondent Gabe Gutierrez is here with the details. Hi, Gabe, morning. Savannah and Hoda, good morning. The medical examiner has said that Bob Saget likely fell backwards and accidentally hit his head. But the details of that are still under investigation. Did he trip on something? Did he fall and hit his head? It is still a mystery, one that his family wants to keep private. After Bob Saget's family sued to keep further details of his death private, a Florida judge has now temporarily blocked the release of more records pending a later court decision. Writing the court finds that plaintiffs will suffer irreparable harm in the form of severe mental pain, anguish, and emotional distress if the requested temporary injunction is not granted. One of Saget's former co-stars on Full House wanting to remember the comedian as a kind and loving person. It's been difficult these past couple of weeks because of uh, more things that have come out mm -hmm. and there's a lot of questions. Investigators have photos and surveillance videos in their custody, but Saget's wife and three daughters are trying to block them from public view, saying they graphically depict Saget. His widow, Kelly Rizzo, wants people to focus on something else, as she told Hoda last month. And he was just so kind and so wonderful. 
and everybody that was in his life knew it. <laughs> and even anybody that would just casually meet him was like, wow, this was a special guy. In response to the lawsuit, the Orange County Sheriff's Office says, while we are sensitive to the family's concerns about the right to privacy, that must be balanced with our commitment to transparency. We have an unresponsive guest in a room. Saget was found dead last month in an Orlando area hotel room. Just hours earlier, he'd posted on social media about his comedy tour. The Florida medical examiner confirmed Saget died of accidental head trauma. The publicly released autopsy concluded the 65-year-old likely fell backwards, suffering traumatic injuries to the back of his head, causing bleeding in different parts of the brain and multiple fractures on his head and around his eyes. But there are still questions about how he got hurt so badly. How likely is it that Saget would have intentionally ignored his injuries? Very unlikely. It's very unlikely given how severe his injuries were. That, experts say, means he likely was injured inside his room and not earlier. He would have been confused immediately. He would have been not able to walk, not able to talk, and not really able to think much in a logical process. So this was a temporary injunction. So does that mean the judge might revisit it at some point? Yeah, that's a question. The final verdict in this is not settled. The temporary injunction was granted in part to give the court more time to litigate the case. Now, Savannah, as you know, in Florida, historically, public records related to death investigations were subject to release. Mm -hmm. But a state law passed in 2001, Hoda, granted some exemptions mm. to photo and video records. So that will likely pay a large role in the case moving forward. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. Gabe, thank you very much. All right, coming up next, new signs that the problems with unruly airline passengers is far from over, and the growing battle over the best way to crack down. Tom Costello has that for us coming up right after this. For the next 15 seconds, picture yourself in a small town. Historic buildings with galleries, restaurants, micro distilleries, Forested ridgelines on the horizon. Wide alpine meadows. Evergreen forests threaded with trails. Friendly locals eager to guide you. And if you're not quite ready to leave this fantasy, chances are you're our kind. And you should check out visitparkcity.com right away. Park City, Utah, for the mountain kind. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where one travel comes in. With OneTravel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With OneTravel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit OneTravel.com music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it. Book it. Live it. OneTravel. We're back 739 in depth today. We touched on the push to roll back COVID restrictions in our last half hour. But for now, the federal mask mandate remains in place on public transportation. And that includes air travel, where there have already been hundreds of unruly passenger reports just in the first month and a half of this year. NBC's Tom Costello joins us now with a new dispute over how to handle those travelers involved. Hey, Tom, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So this has been an issue that we've seen escalate uh, through the pandemic. Disruptive passengers, including some who have physically attacked flight crews, and now a push from one of the biggest airlines to establish a, an industry-wide no-fly list is actually getting pushback from some Republican lawmakers. <laughs> 
Despite threats of stiff fines and jail time, cases involving passengers becoming disruptive, sometimes physically violent with flight crews and fellow travelers, are still happening. You're going to jail. As of Tuesday, the FAA has referred 80 cases involving unruly passengers to the FBI for criminal review. That's out of more than 6,000 reports since the start of 2021. Many incidents related to the in-flight mask requirements. Already this year, nearly 500 reports of disorderly flyers. Just this past Sunday, crew members and fellow passengers had to subdue a man who became unruly, forcing an American Airlines flight from D.C. to Los Angeles to divert mid-flight. Flight attendants are saying that nothing has changed yet. We're still seeing these combative events on board. Uh, there's a ton of disrespect. This is not something that we can accept as a new normal. While individual airlines have banned certain flyers, Delta Airlines wants the federal government to create a comprehensive no-fly list, barring unruly passengers convicted of an onboard disruption from traveling on any U.S. airline. But a group of eight Republican senators who say they oppose bad behavior are against the no-fly list, arguing in a letter to the attorney general it would seemingly equate those passengers to terrorists. But the nation's largest flight attendants union says it would make air travel safer for everyone. We need to be very clear with people what the rules are why they're in place, and what the consequences are if you violate them. One of those rules, the new mask mandate, faces a new legal challenge this morning, with the Texas Attorney General suing the Biden administration to overturn it. It comes as the CDC is already considering revisions to its recommendations. We are looking at an overview of much of our guidance, and masking in all settings will be a part of that. So, Tom, uh, is there any indication that's coming from the CDC that maybe masks will not be required on flights? So the current mask requirement at airports, on planes, all public transportation, it's set to expire in the middle of next month, March 18th. That mandate, though, as you know, has already been extended a few times since it was implemented last year. Some industry experts believe it could be extended again because, of course, children under five are not fully vaccinated or not vaccinated at all. They're still at risk. However, I've talked to airline execs who say given the current political climate and the rollback of masks, they're doubtful that the uh, that the mask mandate would be extended again on board public transportation. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Tom Costello for us. Tom, thank you. Well, let's okay. go to Al. Get another mm -hmm. check of the weather. That's right. Well, we're looking at some warmer weather. If you've been outside here in the Northeast, boy, is it toasty. Take a look at the potential records today. Syracuse, New York, Scranton, PA, Philadelphia, Hartford, Burlington, Boston, all will be flirting with breaking their records. Highs today are going to be 20 to 30 degrees above average. Depends on which side of this front you're on. If you're in New York City, ahead of the front, 16 degrees above average with 59 degrees. Atlanta, 75 degrees, but look behind the front. Kansas City, where it's snowing right now, 20 degrees colder than usual at 24 degrees. Minneapolis, you're at 10 degrees. That's a 20 degree difference. And then you look, temperatures drop in Buffalo, Cincinnati tomorrow, St. Louis down to Jackson, Norfolk, you're going to be warmer than average, Boston 55. Temperatures drop then again over the next day or so, but then they start to rise into the weekend. By Monday next week, we'll be at 53 in New York City, Lexington 62, Chicago getting up to 46 on Sunday. And next week, looking pretty good if you're in the eastern third of the country, warmer than average. How you feel about that? Yeah.
You like that, don't you? Now, of course, if you're in the western two-thirds of the country, not quite so good. Colder than average temperatures. They need the rain out west. They're not going to get it, but wetter than average as you make your way into the Ohio, Mississippi River Valleys and into the northeast as well. And that's your latest weather, guys. Thanks, Al. Thank you. Coming up next, Tiger Woods, one year after his horrific crash. The frustrations in his recovery he's now voicing and the impact on when he might return to professional golf. We'll have the story right after this. We're back. Carson's here. Uh, got news on Tiger Woods. I thought that was video yeah, for a second. <laughs> I was say, he's going to make that putt. Good morning, everybody. Returning to the Genesis Invitational out in L.A. one year after his devastating car crash. Tiger Woods getting candid about where things stand exactly in his recovery. NBC national correspondent Miguel Almaguer has got more on what Tiger is saying. Hey, Miguel. Hey, Carson, good morning. After that accident, many thought the golfing legend would never play again. Then after months of rehab, we saw Tiger Woods back on the course and hitting a ball. But he still has a long way to go in his recovery, something he's now making very clear. While many fans have been hoping Tiger Woods might make a comeback at the Masters in April, Woods now admitting his return to pro golf may still be a long way off. I wish I could tell you when I'm playing again. I, I want to know. Uh, but I don't. Um, my golf activity has been very limited. Adding that playing full-time on the tour is just not in the cards. I can play certain events here and there, uh, but on a full-time level, no, that will never happen again. The golfing great still recovering. Nearly a year after a devastating crash outside L.A., his SUV colliding with a tree at nearly 75 miles per hour. We have a rollover with someone uh, trapped. The accident leaving his right leg so badly damaged, Woods feared at one point it might have to be amputated. I'm lucky to be alive, but also still had the limb. Tiger using his recovery to spend more time with family. But it's a Partnering with his son Charlie in December at a pro-am event. The 46-year-old admitting he still struggles just getting around. Still working on the walking part. Um, my foot was a little messed up there about a year ago. I'm getting better, yes, but as I said, not, not at the speed and rate that I would like, and yet in the age factor too, and you, know, you just don't quite heal as fast, and which is frustrating. Wood saying he wishes he could spend more time practicing. I can chip and putt really well, and hit short irons very well, but I haven't done any, any long stuff seriously. So uh, I'm still working. Like The 15-time major winner dodging a question about practicing in the par-3 exhibition contest at the Masters. I can walk that now. But you're talking about, I'm talking about playing golf. That's a practice round. That's a pro-am day. Or if it's a major, it's a practice round day. It's four rounds. It's the competitive nature, how much that takes out of you mentally, physically, emotionally. Woods is going to continue taking his rehab day by day, setting his own goals. Remember, this is someone who couldn't stand just for, for several weeks. In the meantime, he is still enjoying more time with his family. Guys, back to you. Right. I think he's telling everybody, thanks, Miguel, like reality check. Yeah, yeah I think I'm in the human. sports world, this is a big story right now because Tiger hosts his tournament out in L.A. and the media's got him. Otherwise, he doesn't talk. Yeah. Um, he played well in December with Charlie at the PNC, and he played better than we thought he was going to play at that time, hitting yeah. seven irons. He's like, wow, Tiger looks pretty good. 
of course, everything in Tiger's world is about the Masters. So the Masters yeah. are April 4th. Yeah. Mm. So they thought when they had him in L.A. right now, he would say, you know what, I'm going to come back in the yeah. Masters. But that's not what we're getting. Yeah. We're getting this. It's going to be longer. And so people are upset. You yeah. know, they, they want him back out there. Thanks, All right, guys. Uh, Wordle. Who's doing Wordle? We've been talking about this. Yeah. A lot of people are saying that Wordle, since it was bought by the New York Times, is getting harder. I think when the cynic was the word this yes. week, oh, for yeah. me, oh, they did it. Yeah. That was that the was one. The break. That was the break. The New story. York Times is saying, hey, don't blame us. That may or not be, That is not true, but we'll break it down. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel.